everybody. Welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives Podcast, episode 145. It is me, your host, Evan, here with two very special guests, both of who have been on the show before. But if you do not remember, we have Professor Nicholas Giordano, host of the PAS Report, and Justine Brooke-Murray, who is a writer for Campus Reform. Guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me as well. All right, guys at home, just a reminder to visit our website at empirestateconservnetwork.com. There you can find all of our articles, videos, and links to our shows, not to mention our amazing snowflake melting merch, the profits of which help us keep the lights on around here and spread the message to help rid New York of its leftist oppressors. So guys, as we all know, there's insanity going around all over the country, but we're going to take a little bit of a break from coronavirus and murder hornets and the race wars to talk about something that is very important, and that is the leftist abuse of conservatives in higher education. I mean, this has been going on for years. I remember all the way back to when I was at Farmingdale, and I had a professor give me a C on an essay simply because he didn't like my viewpoint. I went over his head and was able to have the grade changed, but I shouldn't have had to do that in the first place. I also had a professor give me a bad grade on a midterm because I disagreed that illegal immigrants paying sales tax was the same as people paying income tax. So we have Professor Giordano, who is a, obviously a staff member as a professor, and Justine Brookmore, who is a student. So you guys have two slightly different perspectives on this. But Professor Giordano, I'll let you go first and just kind of give people at home who don't remember what it's like to be in college, maybe, um, what <laughs> time it is for staff members on college campuses. Well, uh, the main thing is there are conservatives on campus. Most people think that I'm like a unicorn. I'm this mythical unicorn that exists because a conservative as a professor doesn't seem to equate. But the reality is there's many more of us on campus. Most people don't realize. It's just that most conservatives on campus keep their mouth shut. They censor themselves out of fear. They're fearful that they're going to be ostracized. They're going to be targeted. And we've seen this time and time again throughout campuses throughout the country where you have professors that do come out and espouse, I wouldn't even say conservative views. I've seen moderate professors where they say one thing and all of a sudden the mob comes to try and get them fired, uh, get them, you know, take their classes away from them. So it's scary when you think about the whole idea of college campus is a place of ideas, a place for dissent, a place to disagree, a place to learn new things, to have debate, to have a dialogue. It's a little concerning that colleges around the country have become censorship centers. That's the way you can look at them. And in my classroom, my students are lucky. They have me as a professor. They can pretty much say whatever they want. As long as they're being respectful, they could say whatever they want because I truly believe in the idea of freedom of speech. I truly believe in the idea of debate and dialogue. So as long as they're not insulting other classmates, as long as they're not calling anyone names, they're free to share whatever they want. However, I have students, tons of them, each and every semester, there's going to be, I teach about 230-something kids a semester, there's going to be at least 20 of them that come to me complaining about other professors, where they, the other professors are constantly just talking about their viewpoint. The professor could have teach something like environmental science, yet the professor is sitting there bashing President Trump every single day about, you know, gun control or immigration, something that has nothing to do with environmental science. And it makes them uncomfortable, but they can't speak up because they're fearful that if they do push back against those professors, if they do speak up against those professors, well, that's going to hurt their grades. So you have like this parallel track going on. 
you have conservative professors that don't speak up because they're scared that they're, they're going to be ostracized. And then you have conservative students that don't speak up because they're scared that they're going to have bad grades, that professors are going to shame them and give them bad grades in the middle of their class. And I think that's horrible. No one should feel that way. One of the reasons my classes are successful is because I let everyone talk. I don't care if it's a liberal point of view, conservative point of view. And that's the difference between a conservative and a liberal. A liberal will shut down any thought that dissents from their point of view, where a conservative will always allow speech. They will allow others to say what they believe. They may try and debate, but I play devil's advocate with each and every one of my students, whether they take a conservative position or a liberal position. That's the difference. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing that is missing is that people aren't willing to hear opposing viewpoints. And I think you hit it on the head with, you know, conservative professors not being able to come out as conservative or even just, you know, expressive viewpoints. It's not even coming out and going, you know, I support the president or I support this and that. It's just expressing any conservative viewpoint labels you as this right wing nut job. And it's, it's insane because there is a silent majority of people who are right wing or right leaning in varying places of education. I work in special in New York City. There are a ton of people who are they might not be Trump's words, but they're right wing. There are people who have conservative values and they know that they can't say anything because the top brass is all crazy leftists and they don't want to lose their jobs. Well, and that's where I think that we have a problem because if this country is built on the idea of freedom of speech, this country is built on the idea of dialogue and compromise. And if you have people now openly censoring themselves, I mean, before we went on, I talked to you about how I look at a tweet like 20 times before I send it out because I want to make sure it can't be misconstrued in any way. Well, that's dangerous. That's dangerous to the fabric of democracy. And the scary part is that the debate continually moves further and further to the left because the left is the loudest voices in the room. They're the ones that will get them up. And they're the ones that sit there and they invoke this fear because they'll call for resignations. They'll call for people to be terminated, to lose their job. And sadly, you have institutions that actually give into the mob. You have the government that gives into the mob. The media gives into the mob. Just look at how many, and I'm not trying to bring the whole, you know, George Floyd and the protests and anything like that in, but just look at how many leaders are now kneeling down to the loudest voices that are a mob rather than going into these actual communities and speaking to real people, not the loudest voices, the real people that actually do matter. And that's the sad thing in this country right now. It's almost like we went from, you know, not, we don't negotiate with terrorists to if you throw a temper tantrum, you get what you want. Justine, you had something? Yeah, I was just going to go off of kneeling to the mob. Um, we see this especially at universities. If you don't march in lockstep form with student protests, and if you don't agree with every single demand a student protest calls for, you're considered a bigot. You're shut down. Demands for your resignation are, are put up. And this is exactly what happened at my university, Syracuse University, this year after a spate of racist and anti-Semitic incidents targeting almost every identity group. Um, they were terrible incidents, incidents of vandalism, um, you know, incidents of immaturity, uh, but we could not find, you know, the, the perpetrators of these incidents, uh, not all of them, but the leftist protesters on my campus decided to hijack something that should have been, you know, a call for 
actual anti-racism, a call to, you know, actually come together as a campus and condemn these racist and bigoted incidents. Instead, they hijacked this to call for segregated rooming options where um, students of color would be, would have the, would be able to choose their own roommates based on race. Um, they also called to disarm campus police. They also called for um, more money in diversity and social justice programs, even though just a few years ago, we already spent $5 million on a new social justice center. And now after all of that, after the chancellor actually responded by allocating $5.6 million to what he calls uh, diversity and inclusion initiatives, the university protesters were still calling for his resignation, saying that he hasn't done enough throughout his years as chancellor um, for diversity, calling him racist, saying that, um, you know, he must get out of there as soon as possible and along with other administrators. And it got to a point where it was very aggressive. Protesters started showing up at his house, at his office. Um, we had protesters occupying a campus building for a week in November, and then they occupied the administrative building for an entire month. And when I tried to cover this as a campus reform correspondent, I was simply at the protests to film just like every other media outlet was allowed to do. Um, students called me out as a conservative journalist. They knew who I was because they saw a picture of me with President Trump a year before. And students circled around me, got very close. It was borderline physical where I had to file a campus police report because students would not let me out of a room at one point. They blocked doors, uh, screaming at me, you better delete the videos you have of us. You are a fascist. You are not allowed to be here. And I just kept asking why. Why am I not allowed to be here and do my job as a reporter when other reporters are allowed? And they told me because... I'm associated with the conservative outlet and conservative ideas are somehow racist. They said because I am affiliated with President Trump, simply because I met him once, um, that makes me a dangerous threat. They actually called me a threat to their safety. You know, I'm five foot one. I, I don't see myself as a threat. <laughs> um, but when I filed a campus police report, you know, nothing really happened. I had to get a little bit of extra security on campus, but I got attacked online after that, after coming out about this incident. And then professors started harassing me. I was approached in the dark a couple of days after the first round of protests by a professor who I didn't know. She grabbed me by the shoulder and threatened me and said, you may not know who I am, but I definitely know who you are. Your rep, uh, you better watch out for your reputation. And it, it almost felt like a, you know, a Gestapo officer threatening me. This is a professor, and we found out she was an archaeo, um, an anthropology professor, a professor of, a, you know, a, a professor of a study that I was actually supposed to take a class in before I graduate. So when I filed a campus report against this professor and then another professor who started harassing me and exposing my identity online, the university did nothing about it. They just put me in meetings with um, 
administrators promising me that they're, you know, they feel for me, they hope that I feel safe. But in the end, I realized that they were on the side of the professors. And when professors came out and talked about me online, they, other other teachers said, oh, I used to have her in class. She was an odd student. Yeah, she was very weird. Can you imagine professors talking about students that they, who still go to the university talking about them? I don't think that's allowed, but apparently I was the exception because I'm a conservative. No, if, well, yeah, go ahead, professor. You bring up some good points and it shouldn't be allowed. And one of the things is I'll say that the administrators, a lot of them are in the same fear that other people are, that if they don't sit there and kowtow their mob, then they're going to be the ones that come after them. So they probably use you as like a human shield. As far as the left wing goes, these people are brutal. It's any and all costs. They will try and destroy every aspect of your reputation and your life. Just look at the evergreen uh, college professor. I can't recall his name off the top of my head. But this was a professor that was actually, to, he was a liberal, a full-fledged liberal in every respect of the imagination. And Evergreen College was going to have this day where white people weren't allowed on campus. And he said, well, that's the ridiculous. I've always been someone that championed black rights and elimination of racism. I always fought for black students. And I'm going to go to campus because I don't feel that any particular group should be pointed out because of the color of their skin, which is a little disturbing with the dorm rooms. And, you know, you talk about racism when you get to pick your skin color. But they forced this. This guy had to go into hiding, him and his wife. He had to take an early retirement. He could not return back to that campus because he showed up to the campus and the campus community was so outraged that he could defy this, this decree that no white people should be on campus. And they ran him out of town. Now, that's a left-wing ally of theirs that they ran out of town. So if they'll do that to someone like him, imagine the things that they try and do to conservatives like yourself, me, Evan. Uh, it, it's insane out there. Yeah, but they, they give in to these people. Yeah, they will eat their own. Like, look what they did to Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz, who is possibly one of the most left-wing people in the history of this country, <laughs> simply for serving on President Trump's defense team, was labeled as a right-winger. Alan Dershowitz is, is far from being a right-winger. No, he's not even close. This is a guy who has been hand-in-hand -hand with the Clintons. He, he, he uh, defended, what's his name, Jeffrey Epstein, like, this is a guy who said that the government has the right to mandate vaccinations and you do not have a right to open up a business. Like this guy is not a right winger, but simply for that one act, he was labeled a right winger. They're like, they're like the Sith order. It's all or nothing with them. It's either you're with me or you're my enemy. And that's it. Well, that's the way it is. It's all about obedience and compliance. They want you to shut up. They want you to obey and comply. So Alan Dershowitz, he checks the box on every single policy issue. He checks the liberal box on every policy issue because of the one thing they despise, which is President Trump. Now he's excommunicated from the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has gone so far to the left and it, it's their base that pulled them there. And I don't think they realize the slow motion destruction of what they're creating. The scary part is what happens if they succeed. <laughs> That's yeah. my biggest fear is what happens if they succeed. You know, are people sitting around right now going enough's enough? I don't want to see my politicians be bowing. You know, I do want to fight racial inequalities, but I don't want to see violence stores being burnt out. I don't want to see Antifa being the ones that are in charge. Or are people starting to sit there and say, you know, well, maybe we need to listen to the left. Maybe the left needs to come to power. That's the scariest part is that the, and the media perpetuates it and it's getting crazy out there.
Defund the police. Oh, yeah. Everything is monothe uh, everything is monothelithic with them. Um, you know, just like with the Alan with Alan Dershowitz, just like with the Evergreen professor. You can be as liberal as can be, but if you have just one thought that strays from the group think, that's if you're done, you're considered a white supremacist. It's it's quite scary, and they call themselves the ideology of diversity. They are the least diverse ideology party, whatever you want to call it, that that there is. Um, and when you debate with conservatives, there there's so many different types of conservatives. You have um, people who are very right wing. You have people who are very libertarian, um, who are conservative on fiscal issues, but are don't really care about moderate uh, social issues, are very moderate on social issues. And we can always have a robust conversation. But with the left, again, if one thought strays away, you're, you're banned, you're shunned. And it doesn't help with dialogue. It definitely doesn't help with dialogue on campus. I mean, uh, taken from my experiences from um, secretly talking to professors who aren't even conservative, who support Israel, they're deemed a right winger who, um, you know, support free speech for everyone. Free speech was never supposed to be a partisan issue, but apparently if you support free speech, you're a right winger. Um, I've had to you know, speak with these professors who've come up to me and, and told me, hey, I feel like I'm being silenced too. Um, and it's, it's frightening when you're, when you're so shut down on campus and everywhere else um, where you have to fear for your grade. You have to feel fear for your physical safety if you dare speak out um, against what every, everyone else is saying. Well, and the scary part, when you look at it, so we keep talking conservative and liberal, but let's just talk about moderate liberal. <laughs> it, it, the Democrats have pretty much abolished anyone that's pro-choice from joining their platform. Their platform is now strictly pro-life. Like, abortion at any time, anywhere, it doesn't matter, up till the third term. Like, you go back 15, 20 years ago, the Democrats were, yeah, okay, abortion, we don't like it, but safe and rare, you know, first three months, maybe. Now they're talking about up until birth. You look at Governor Cuomo, who said conservatives aren't welcome in the state. You look at the platform of the Democrat Party now. ICE agents are thugs. ICE agents are bad. That illegal immigrants deserve everything that American citizens get. And you can't even question that. If you bring that up to a Democrat, you're excommunicated from the party. That we are now going to call for the defunding of police. And you have that idiot in L.A., Mayor Villagro, whatever his name is, the mayor of L.A., right. who actually now is fulfilling this proposal, $150 million being cut from the police department's budget. Like, it's not like we're even taking conservative positions. <laughs> Funding a police department is actually pretty moderate. I don't know, common sense to me. The idea of if abortion is going to be legal, that there should be major restrictions on it isn't really a conservative position. To me, that just seems like common sense. And you see it time and time again with all these issues. Illegal immigrants should not have the same rights and benefits as U.S. citizens. Otherwise, what's the point of citizenship? But if you say these things on a college campus, ooh, you better watch out because they're going to come after you and they're going to come after you with everything they've got. But it's amazing that the left doesn't even see how racist they are when if you don't fall in line with them, it doesn't matter if you're black, Hispanic, whatever it is, if you don't fall in line with them, you're a race traitor. You're the worst person in the world. You know, if you talk about black on black crime, that's racist. You can only talk about white on black crime. That's the only thing you're allowed to worry about. 
but it just, it becomes this weird racist echo chamber. And you said, you know, not allowing white people on campus. Well, I think it was Harvard University a few years ago. They wanted to have a blacks only graduation ceremony. It's like you over, they overcorrect on everything and they wonder why nothing works out. They wonder why leftist policies never work out. Even if you look at the NFL, the Rooney rule, which was designed to get more black head coaches, never works. And all you do is have these left-wingers on ESPN complaining, oh, well, how do we get this to work? Because the Rooney rule doesn't go far enough. No, it doesn't work because you created a rule to pick someone based off of their race and not their qualifications. So if you're telling me I have to interview someone based on their race, but I know that I want to hire this other coach, but you're telling me I have to interview this guy, he's not going to get hired because I already know that I want to hire Nick Saban and I'm, I don't want to hire the African-American coach because I already know the guy I want. So it doesn't, you can't force people based on race into these little things without being racist. It's, it's 100% racist. Well, but the funny thing is it's white liberals that are pushing this because if you Always. look, take, take the NFL thing, who was it, Marvin Lewis that came out and found it highly insulting that a, if you hire a black coach that you get moved up and you're going to get a third-round pick because your coach is black rather than look at the merits of that coach and what that coach is capable of, it is insulting. And that's the thing with, with, with everything that you could possibly imagine. You know, you look at, at a lot of the uh, so lower socioeconomic communities. Now, I can't stand when people try and position, you know, policy issues as black or white. I look at it lower socioeconomic. Democrats have controlled the lower socioeconomic areas for the last 50 years. And the problems just continue to get worse and worse and worse. But you can't call it out because if you call it out, like you said, they'll call you racist. And that's the whole point of them. They call people racist, misogynist, uh, Islamophobist. They use the ist in everything because it's designed to silence you. It's designed to shut you up because the last thing you want to be called is a racist. The last thing you, on Twitter you want to be called is a racist. And it, it's amazing because when you debate these people, like I get into debates all the time online and liberals they constantly think like they could have a leg up on me and i always end up destroying them why do i destroy them because they have no depth to their arguments all they will do is name call they won't answer any questions you ask and ultimately they'll just block you now i don't mind if they block me the more left wing they block me that's fine with me but the way they operate i mean i put a poll out uh, post out it. I call it the white privilege challenge. So you have all these people in Hollywood, you have it in academia, all these people now preaching their white privilege, that they've been successful in life because of the white entitlement culture. So I put out a tweet, the white privilege challenge. If you believe in white privilege and you benefited from white entitlement culture, give up 50% of your possessions and give up 50% of your paycheck each and every week and give it to those that you feel have been oppressed. And how many people do you think are going to take me up on that challenge? The answer is zero. But the amazing part is that when they say something about it, I had this one guy who said, and I'm going to, I'll read the direct thing. So he doesn't call me out by name, but he says, sad to see white people bitching about white privilege while they have benefited from white affirmative action for many decades. Legacy, college acceptance, wealth, better schools, weaker sentencing, white names on applications, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there like, well, are you going to take me up on the challenge? <laughs> you, you know, I mean, that's the whole point of it. Either yes or no. You're either going to take me up on it or not. I don't believe in white privilege, so I'm not giving up my 50% of my paycheck for anyone. But you believe in it, then put your money where your mouth is. Stop with the virtue signaling. And that's all they do is they virtue signal. 
They're the moral arbiters of what is right and wrong. We see it on college campuses, but we see it in the broader society as well. Yeah, and they, they, you see with this, oh, I stand as an ally to the black community. It's like the black community doesn't need you as an ally. They need you to just not be a racist. But this whole met, this whole notion of white privilege is extremely racist because it goes to say that certain people benefit because of the color of their skin. So one, it's racist against white people, which you can be racist against white people. It's possible. They're a race. And it's racist against black people by saying because you're black, you can't succeed because you're not white. It's a great point. And I brought that up on this week's podcast that I did. I said, you know, it's racist to point a group of people and tell them that they can't succeed because it is color of their skin. It's racist to point to a a group of people because of their color of their skin and tell them that they're responsible for all the bad things that happen. It's racist to tell a group of people that they need handouts in order to benefit from in society. That's racist. That, that you have this whole block of people who are not a monolithic block. I mean, let, let's face it. What is the black community? I mean, you know, you, you talk about the liberal and the whole idea of diversity. So I'm from, I'm an Italian American, right? I get to use Italian as my culture. Why is a black person an African American? Like, why can't they say they're a Nigerian American? How come only, you know, the white liberal Europeans can say what European country they come from, but yet a, a black person, has to say an African-American or a Hispanic person has to say I'm Hispanic-American. Well, a Brazilian isn't the same as a Mexican. So why can't they say they're a Brazilian-American? And, and that's the idea. That, that's where they get this whole idea of we'll call everyone a racist. But deep down, we project because that's all the left does, just like the fascists are the anti-fascists. We'll project and we're actually the real racist ones. Because let's be honest here. If you have a black person walking in the rich Hollywood Hills community, uh, you know, out in California, they're going to be the first ones to call the cops to come down there because the person looks suspicious and because of the color of their skin. And, and that's what they'll always do. They're always the ones that will do exactly what they tell you not to do. Yeah. The, the coronavirus Karen woman. She's a, she's a left winger. <laughs> Justine, you were going to say something? Yeah, I always wondered why the left is so obsessed with defining people's race for them um, when they're also obsessed with saying, oh, um, anyone can choose their gender. Okay, so gender is a social construct, but we're not allowed to say what race, what ethnicity, what religion, what identity group we belong to. We're not allowed to choose that. The left chooses that for us. The left is the one who, who labels us, who gives us names. Um, Ellen DeGeneres actually got in trouble. She got in trouble this week because she put out a tweet supporting George Floyd, supporting the black community, um, standing up against racism, but she said the term people of color, and she didn't say the word black. And that's why leftists forced her to delete her tweet, try to make her apologize because they said people of color include blacks and, and brown people and, and um, you know, more people just than the black community. And the George Floyd murder was, according to the left, just about the black community. So therefore, she wasn't giving the black community their own spotlight, even though I've been told numerous times that people, the, the phrase people of color is something you're supposed to say, something I must say. And if I don't say it, then I'm considered a racist. So the left is trying to determine, to tell us what language to use. And then when we use their language to uh, 
appease them, they switch the language. And all of a sudden, it's the wrong language. They keep switching the terms we're supposed to say. Um, and, you know, when we don't march in lockstep form with them or, you know, we, we don't latch on quickly to their new changes, uh, to their new change in the dictionary, we're branded as a racist. Yeah, or in Gabe's, you know, scenario, he's a white supremacist Nazi th sympathizer. Right. And he's Hispanic, but he's a Nazi. <laughs> but he's a white Hispanic. Uh, you know, that, that's the amazing part. That's what they do. That it, so if you're a Hispanic person, which I never understood, you know, what, what consists of a Hispanic person? As I said before, Brazilian is different from a Cuban who's different from a Mexican who's different from a Spanish and a Portuguese. But when we're looking at it, they'll use the term white Hispanic on the issues if it's someone that they disagree with. Well, how is that not racist? Because you can't be racist against a privileged group which is in fact racist exactly it they also the left has also been dragging jews into to this this week um they brought up uh, that some people who received holocaust reparations not jew not all jews just people who um were in the holocaust received reparations um you know and most people who were murdered in the holocaust were jews um but they said that this amounts to Jewish, this means the Jews have privilege. It's Jewish privilege now, even though we've been persecuted for a millennial, we've, we've been persecuted throughout history again and again and again, but yet we have our Jewish privilege. Um, so now the left has somehow used this issue with George Floyd to blame the Jews. Um, also, you see these leftist activists saying that Jews are all white. And we're allowed to be anti-Semitic to white Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, because they're not considered real Jews. How is that not anti-Semitic? You have so many different types of, 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 of Jews. You have Ashkenazi, Sephardic, um, Mizrahi, because the Jewish people have been persecuted and have been kicked out everywhere throughout our entire existence. We have moved everywhere. So yes, they, we have formed different groups, but not to the left. According to the left, all Jews are white. Well, it's the same thing when you look at the black community and how the left treats the black community. So there was a poll done within the black community about what black people want. A black person conducted the poll, black people responded to the poll. And it was really interesting because here were the answers, the top answers. Higher wages, making college more affordable, better health care, and access to housing. Now, what's really interesting about that, doesn't that sound like every single racial group you could think of? I mean, isn't that what white America wants, black America, Hispanic America? And so when we look at it, if we take race away, well, isn't it just one America with a bunch of different backgrounds, but we're one people? And to me, that's what makes more sense. But see, the left tries to drive the narrative that it's all about race and it's all about grievances because that's where you get the control. 100%. Gabe, um, Gabe. <laughs> I know you hopped in late, but I want you to give the folks at home a little bit of a background on your story just so we can get Professor Giordano's take on it. We're with uh, Mr. Mr. Lax, who is your biggest fan. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and thanks for uh, you know having me on. Uh, so uh, Nick, I remember we actually uh, had you as a unreleased uh, episode of Talking GOP so far, but so uh, once the studio and the world opens back up, we'll definitely uh, put that up there. But what happened with Jeffrey Lax 
um, the professor for Columbia University, was kind of interesting, to say the least. An algebra teacher that I knew from high school uh, posted up a political uh, cartoon, uh, kind of like saying that Trump is Trump's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, when it was a pandemic, not a political narrative, uh, was horrible. He then, sorry, so I then def uh, defended the president and this professor for Columbia just comes on and says, I don't know how stupid, evil, and racist you have to be to support this guy. I'm like, that's typical leftist hatred. It doesn't phase me. And then he goes on this whole tirade because I started pointing out evidence of how the president's actually handling the situation as opposed to whatever hyperbole he's playing up. And that's when he tells me to drop dead and that I'm a neo-Nazi enabler. I'm Nazi scum. Uh, the, the list of isms continue. And then... When I got the screenshots, I gave him an out. And I said, I'm surprised that a person, because I clicked on his profile, I said, I'm surprised that a person who's supposedly the most educated person on, in this conversation, on this thread, is resulting to playground insults, and you're not bringing up anything. Uh, he said, I'm too smart to, uh, to have this conversation to think that, uh, that you're genuine. So then I said, all right. The algebra teacher then puts another one saying like, oh, well, uh, you know, you can argue with a pigeon, and when a pigeon shits, it'll walk away like it won the argument. Um, so so then he commented, yeah, well, we got to get rid of these Trump supporters with their armbands, the way they like to walk around. I said, all right. So he's a political science professor, deputy chair. I got screenshots of it, and I posted it. Now, Columbia, till this day, of time of recording, so about what? When I sent the formal complaint, it was about maybe three weeks now, three weeks' time, a little bit more. And they still haven't said anything. I called twice. The first time they said they couldn't say anything. I said, no worries. I'll just call back. I called last week. They, I told, uh, they said, and I have the recording, where they said just, um, you know, please hold. Due to confidentiality reasons, we can't uh, tell you what the situation is because I tagged the office of the president, um, the deputy, uh, sorry, the department chair of political science, and, and I think that's about it. And all they did was they put me on hold again and said they couldn't say anything. And I told them, I said, listen, Mary, uh, Amy Cooper got fired or her, which I wasn't really calling for. Her situation was resolved in less than three days from a huge firm in, in the city. And yet I'm still here as a Hispanic American who is a soldier where these accusations could get me kicked out or put under serious investigation. And you don't think that this is anything important? I said, ma'am, I understand that this isn't you, but please understand that this puts me in a horrible, this could have put me in a horrible situation if I didn't get to it first or someone else saw this and tried to control that narrative. And all she said, and I went in, uh, into mm -hmm. more detail, and all she said was, thank you for calling. That's it. And I said, it's almost like you guys are protecting this, this person when there are five news outlets minimum that are reaching out to you, asking for your comment, and you provide nothing. Well, and that's the scary part when you have professors that won't, first of all, I mean, that's a t typical left-wing response, and, and that's a left-wing response from the people that are in academia, so that, that tells you a lot about the whole PhD thing and what kind of investment that is. But when you look at it, first of all, I'm surprised the college didn't try and use the excuse, like, no one's here because of coronavirus. We'll get back to you when the coronavirus passes, just to try and delay and stall. But there's no accountability on the left, and that's part of the problem that we have, that the left is never held accountable. They could essentially say and do whatever they want to conservatives, and they could get people fired over the dumbest things. I mean, listen, I teach six, seven classes each semester. I'm talking for three-hour periods. Uh, uh, well, my night class is three hours. The other classes are an hour and 15 minutes twice a week. 
I'm going to say something dumb. Okay. Now I always put disclaimers in my class that my class is not a safe space. I will offend you. It's my job to offend you. So they know how I am. But if I say something dumb, I come out and I correct it. It's not like I'm just going to leave it there. But I will never, ever, ever attack a student. I don't even attack people for their thoughts and beliefs. You know, if, if anyone looks at my Twitter feed or Facebook page, I never attack individuals because they may support Joe Biden or they may support a Governor Cuomo. I'll attack the politicians all day long. I'll call their names. I'll criticize them. That's fine. But I don't go after individuals. And that's the difference between Moderates and conservatives and liberals. Moderates and conservatives don't necessarily go on the attack as viciously. Now, there are some conservatives that do it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that they don't. Okay, there are conservatives that I've seen, like Twitter's this cesspool that exists. But for the most part, it's usually the other way around. Liberals are 10 times with the things that they will say are so vile, so disgusting, that and their, their accounts don't get shut down at all. Their accounts don't get suspended at all. Yet you look at a conservative and if something, I mean, I'm, I'm shocked. I never got a tweet that was actually censored. I never got like suspended from Twitter for a few days. And it's because I'm a conservative. So I have to check what I'm tweeting out each and every time. Okay. They allow me to make fun and mock Adam Schiff, but that's about as far as I could go with the name calling. Idiot, imbecile, things like that. Well, what we found was that, in, what I found actually, what I meant to say is looking at his Twitter that he unrestricted because before when the story broke out again, he again restricted his Twitter account so that, you know, people can see what he's up to. But then he un unlocked it. So obviously he's like, all right, the story has, the story's blown over. And two days or a day before Memorial Day, he shared the New York Times article uh, that the military supposedly supports white supremacy. Oh, that and was a horrible article. I, I agree. <laughs> Um, and it's interesting because they, those authors didn't have the guts or the chutzpah to put their author's name. They just put the editorial team of the New York Post. So I called this and I mentioned that to the school. I said, listen, I'm not saying that we should police anything that happens because everyone has a right to their own privacy and social media. But if this person is telling me these things and then sharing something that's blatantly incorrect about our military, you know where this person stands. He is... And he's even had testimonials on Rate My Professor, which I'm sure, uh, Nick, that you have uh, a pretty interesting uh, view of, of Rate My Professor, seeing as how you're a professor yourself. It went from a 1.5 down to a 1.3, where people are saying that you'd have an easier chance talking uh, in North Korea, that that's less authoritative than his classroom. How does anyone take this dude's class if his rating is under two? Because it's yeah, the I mean, only one last minute that you could sign up for. <laughs> it's the only one with open seats. That's exactly what happens to me. I, I didn't know what rate my professor was at first. And then I found what it, I found it and I was like, Oh, I'm going to use this for every single professor um, before I sign up for their class. It's been around um, for years. I used it when I was in college and that was a long time ago. <laughs> it's a lifesaver, but unfortunately you can't, no matter how hard you try, you can't avoid at least, for me, I haven't been able to avoid um, having a biased professor in class. It's it's okay to be a liberal professor. It's okay to be a conservative professor. It's okay to speak openly about your views, um, even if, if they're online, but outside of the classroom. And as long as you're not you know, telling students to drop dead um, or trying to harass your own students online, which is what happened to me. Um, I believe that everyone has the right to free speech. Professors, too. But there's a difference between 
and speaking your, your views as a professor and conflating the lessons you're teaching with your personal opinion. I just, uh, Campus Reform, I just covered a professor, mm -hmm. uh, Professor Rabab Abdul Hadi, who received a prestigious award from the American Asso uh, Association of University Professors after she used taxpayer money to go on a university trip to meet with convicted terrorists. She also told students in a lecture that uh, they are not welcome on her campus because they are Zionists. She posted on her official department Facebook page that Zionists shouldn't be welcome on her campus and that all Zionists are white supremacists. I mean, where's the line? Because whenever there's an openly conservative professor, um, like Professor mm -hmm. Michael Rechtingwald from NYU, who came out as a conservative on Twitter and uh, was forced on, on leave, whenever that happens, the professor is scrutinized, the professor is doxxed. But meanwhile, professors are able to, to tell their students that they're not welcome on campus because of, of the, the religion because they're Zionist Jews. So I see a complete double standard. Well, I'll never win an award as uh, far as college goes as being a professor. I can't imagine uh, being getting prestigious awards. And I will say this, as college professors, we have every single right to challenge our students. We don't have a right to change their grades because they disagree with us. We don't have a right to attack them viciously and embarrass them in the classroom because they disagree with a point of view. And once again, I may be a conservative. Most of my students don't even know that, though, because that's not the way I teach. When someone comes up and they bring a point and they support President Trump, well, I'm going to take an opposing point of view. When they come and attack President Trump or policy or an issue, I take the opposite point of view because it's my job to get them to actually use their brains and think. I don't want my students to be mindless bots. Unfortunately, a lot of college professors do want their students to be mindless bots. They do try and indoctrinate their students about beliefs. They don't like any dissent. And it's some of it is the whole PhD God complex that they think they're so much smarter than everyone else because they have a PhD. Meanwhile, these are some of the dumbest people you will ever meet. I will openly state that there are some very smart people that have PhDs. There's also some very stupid people that have PhDs that just happen to get approved because the, the, when they wrote their dissertation, the people that approved it liked it. But in any event, when you look at it, college is supposed to be the place for ideas. When you have groupthink, when you have a shutdown of ideas, well, that's when college actually starts to become useless. And college professors better wake up because we're going to prove ourselves to be irrelevant if we keep going in this trend. There's a lot of people out there that are now looking at college and they don't see the real return on investment, that they're going to go $80,000 in debt to try and be brainwashed. That doesn't really make any sense to a lot of parents. They're starting to wake up to this. So college professors better get their act together and colleges better get their act together. And math professors, they should stick to teaching math. Environmental mm -hmm. science professors should stick to teaching environmental science. You know, philosophy, same thing. Okay. If they don't get direct, I think we're going to see a major change in the higher education system over the next five years. I do think there is going to be a lot of reforms and changes that come. And I think the coronavirus has actually increased the time frame that that's going to happen in. But I find it disgusting when I hear stories about other professors shutting students down. Students should have the same academic freedom a professor has. I have academic freedom because I bring up controversial issues and I can't get fired for those controversial issues. Well, why don't students have academic freedom as well? 
I 100% agree. That's, I mean, that that's basically what it comes down to. And the left doesn't want anyone to disagree with them. They want everyone to hold their hand and tell them how beautiful and special they are and that they're always right. And the way that they view the world is exactly how it is. I mean, that's, it, and it's just nonsense. They view the world through an emotional lens and they throw a temper tantrum whenever that's challenged. Well, I wish you were a professor at my school. <laughs> I get that all the time, actually. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's really it's really a shame. I would I would recommend to um, any students who are watching this to find that one professor. They're rare, um, like yourself, who is a conservative, or it doesn't even have to be conservative versus liberal. It doesn't even have to be a professor with, you know, a, a political view, just someone who will respect your right to free speech to someone who kind of sees a trend on campus as well, that there is bias, a professor who is not biased him or herself, that you can actually talk to, uh, have someone as a mentor, because that's what mm -hmm. I did. Um, there, There's a Jewish professor at my university who, you know, always had to be silent about her views, and she teaches on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, but you know, as personally, as pro-Israel as she is, she teaches both the pro-Israel narrative and the anti-Israel narrative in her class. She teaches the pro-BDS, boycott, divest, and sanctions uh, dogma against Israel, as well as, as teaching opposing viewpoints to that. So nobody really knows where she stands. And the only reason I know where she stands is because I've met her after after an anti-Semitic incident happened in my dorm. Um, I, you know, I saw her as a mentor. So if you can find at least one professor, it doesn't have to be conservative. It doesn't, uh, uh, they don't even have to agree with your, your views. They can be a liberal, someone who will just listen to you and respect you and not be biased in their teaching. It's always a plus to have that on campus. Yeah, I think that's what we've, we've lost. We've lost the respect from the left. And it's just, they want, they only want to hear what they want to hear. Listen, I love, to, yeah. I love when people agree with me. It's great. But I also love to debate people. I have an actual problem with it. Um, I had to take a Facebook break because I kept just debating people based off their nonsense. I mean, I had someone post something where they were like, well, you know, like 80,000 black people didn't vote in Minnesota and Trump only won the state by 29,000 votes. That's how you get him out of office. It's like, so you just assume that all of these black people are going to vote Democrat? I mean, that's pretty racist. I mean, but they don't want to hear it. They're like, well, you know, Trump hates black people. I'm like, I'm like that's a nonsense. That's a non-starter. It's not true. And it's not, it's not a valid argument. I'm like, look at all the things he's done for the black community since he's been in office. Oh, but the things he tweets. It's like, shut up. If you've, already lost, you've already lost the argument. Because your thing is you're not based in reality. You're giving me a CNN talking point, which they make up, and you lost. And they don't want to hear it. They'll just debate, debate. They'll throw out all this other stuff that's also not true. And you're just like, honestly, guys, like, what are you doing? Yeah, no, it's insane what's happening. I mean, we've lost the ability to be civil. And when you tell somebody, you don't understand my struggle. You don't know what I go through because of your race. You're already judging somebody on their race. So... It's, and it's what I, and I caught the tail end of uh, what uh, you all were talking about when, you know, you walked in and said, well, a person's not a part of this, uh, this race or whatnot because they don't agree with you. And I was recently called a, 
uh, white. Uh, sorry, I was I was a Hispanic that was trying to be white because I was trying to seek privilege. And someone put someone tweeted and tried to tag me, but they didn't have my uh, my my Instagram. They said whitewashed Hispanics who support Trump want to be privileged so bad. Female dog, they don't even want you here. LMAO. And then someone put, oh, I probably, probably I knew that kid from high school, his, his name. Uh, but I, and then she actually said a couple of obscenities at me. Um, but the idea now that just because we have a difference of opinion makes me less of, an, a, of a person who understands your struggle than you just because you decide to have that victimized mentality that people can keep you down, it makes no sense. And now what we've seen with these protests is the narrative is always changing, as we said. But now it's Hispanics aren't showing enough solidarity with the black community and that they're extremely racist. Because it's all about and, control. It's all about controlling yeah. what you think and how you vote. That's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Right. And honestly, it's getting sickening. Like, what, what, what is it that you have to accomplish? What is it that you can have to do so that you can say that we all fit in as Americans, as Nick said? It doesn't make sense in my opinion. I still am trying to figure out that. They'll answer. never get it either. They'll never get exactly what they want. What they want is full control. They're never going to have that. They, what they want is they want guns banned. For some reason, they want white people oppressed. I don't know. It used to be about equality for everyone. Now it's about oppressing white people, which is also, again, extremely racist. The fact that the left thinks that it's okay to be racist, I don't think it's okay to be racist against anyone. I don't care what your skin color is. We've had it on this show. We have people of all different races, religions, creeds, everything. Okay? We even had a liberal on once. Okay? It was a, mis- you know, it was a rough episode, but it was fine. But, no, but it's left, funny. It's they're funny, obsessed though. with controlling everyone, and they don't – they always want to overcorrect things in the past because they feel bad or they're bored. Like, I don't get it. They're so angry all the time. Mm-hmm. No, I, what I just want to say was it's funny how we've all lost our race card because by the left themselves because we just don't we don't agree with them we, we are no longer a part of the group and and i'm like you guys i've never experienced racism until i was a con- until i became a conservative and it, i didn't experience racism from conservatives i experienced it from people who were on the left ideologically or actual like democrats on paper and we've turned out it isn't just let's have a discussion of ideas. It's just I hate Trump, Trump bad, orange man bad, continuing with the NPC uh, talking points of with, that have no basis. It, it's really just full of stuff that you hear or you might see on Occupy Democrats, which has no basis, which has little to no basis in fact whatsoever. And you'll share it and you'll think you're doing something great. Please tell me, people of Twitter, Instagram, and the rest of social media, has your black square solved racism have you actually have you donated to any of these have you donated to any of these causes that actually help rebuild small businesses to the homes that have been lost to this to the family members who have been shot by it who have been who've lost people because they were shot because of these rioters and that's why we've even made the distinction between rioters and protesters but at the same time and self-plug-in here you can read the article on empirestateconservatives.com uh titled in destruction they find justice for george floyd that people are rioting and looting while holding blm signs whether they're white or black or hispanic or whatever race and justice for george signs on them so how can you tell me that the narrative is all about justice and any police brutality and saying that 
it has nothing to, you know, it has nothing to do with mat the materialistic aspects of what's happening. And you're, you're going to go around to your own people that are trying to say, hey, let's all come together. Let's support the people that just faced not only a pandemic, uh, you know, devastation from the pandemic, but now devastation from people that look like, like us. Because it's not going to affect the, you know, the multi-million dollar corporations. Like we said, they'll write it as a loss. But they're hurting the chances for people to gain employment in their own communities. Yeah, 100%. The leftists think that they're taking down the 1%, but they're taking down the middle class. They're taking down people who can't even get jobs, people who are have just lost their jobs because of the COVID pandemic and now because of the riots. So they're not helping themselves. They're not helping anybody. They're so self-righteous. And a lot of these leftists, as we mentioned, are rich white leftists. In fact, I the, the four alumni from my own high school from my class are the, the the rich the rich kids from my school and they were they were very rich they who they used to wave dollar bills in my faces in school because in my face in school because they said I wasn't rich like them they used to make fun of me um, calling me poor um, saying that I had no money and that I could wish for a dollar bill they used to whisper the k-word behind my back they used to throw pennies and scream the k-word they used to scream the n-word uh, across the hallways and and meanwhile they didn't get in trouble they used to etch swastikas on campus property and now these are the same people who are posting online from the comfort of their parents mansions how Oh, I am so sorry I cannot join um, the protesters in New York City right now. I have come home from my college in New York City. Yes, this is what one kid actually wrote on his story. I have come home from the city to, um, you know, to spend time with my family, but I am giving you moral support by posting this black square, uh, by listing campaigns to donate to, Democrat-run campaigns, you know, designed to, pretending they against racism. Meanwhile, I don't think this kid spent a dime on, on anything um, other than his luxurious uh, clothing. He's actually a, a model, the kid who wrote this on his story. So it just shows the hypocrisy. The same people who have bullied me in high school for apparently not having money like they do are the same people now lecturing me and other people online that we have privilege and we need to check our privilege. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's terrible. And they, it's, it's all virtue signaling, like Professor Giordano said. And Professor Giordano had to hop off. So make sure you guys check out his podcast, The PAS Report. Um, it's very, very good. Um, but, you know, it's the left, it's all virtue signaling. And it's all from people who who feel something and they don't understand how the world works in order to fix a problem so they go well if enough people just feel bad if we all just say how bad we feel then together we can stop donald trump and solve racism and that's not living in the real world donald trump who gave countless amounts of money to the naacp who donated all this money to jesse jackson who hates white people and you know donald trump was the hero of the left he was best friends with oprah until he ran against hillary clinton once he went against the democrats it was now we got to hit him. Now we got to take him down. Until that moment, they were all glad to have him on their shows, to take his money, to tell him he should run for president. But the second he did it, spouting any type of conservative values, that was it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's insane. And I want to pose a question, and for any of our listeners that actually send this to trigger other people, for the self-hating white community out there that feels bad for, for people on this, you know, for people like us or people that look like me or whatever, whatever labels you want to check us off in, what privileges do you have that I don't have? What ability do you have that I, that I don't have to succeed in this country? I mean, Ben Shapiro summed it up pretty well. There's three things. Uh, it is to not uh, have not have a child before you get um, before you get married. To sorry, it's slipping me for a second. Graduate high school. To graduate, yeah, to graduate high school. Thank you, and to get a full time job and to work, to grow up, save money. If you do that, you're able to at least you know if you come from nothing, at least you'll have something, and you'll start with you know, and you'll create that generational wealth. You teach yourself how to accrue more money and to save that money. And I asked you, I, and, that's, and this is really my final thoughts on this, is ask yourself, what is it that you can personally do? Because I can go outside for a job. I know other people, whether they're lighter or darker than me, that can go outside for a job and we'll be fine. We understand that the police officers are there to nine times out of 10, help the community and protect the community. And if I get stopped, I'm not going to say, what the hell are you stopping me for, officer? Get the hell away from me. Screw you, F you, pig. Go die. I'm never going to approach an office like that. And I'll comply. Not because I'm a bootlicker, but because I understand that there has to be some underlying reason and they're already in an intense situation. And I can spare a few minutes of my day. So if it doesn't mean that I'm going to get beaten or shot or taken into, into jail for any of those reasons, because it's a tense situation. So continue posting your squares if you want. Because I'll tell you this right now, it's not solving anything. And saying that you have this white privilege is giving people of color, is portraying to people of color that they're still victimized and they're still giving them the idea that they're still oppressed. You're giving people, you're giving people an out as to, as to why they're in the situation there is. Instead of empowering them to go out there and to buy a home with their family or to start a business and hire their, hire their own family members and friends, you're instead telling them that, hey, no, we need to rely on the welfare state that we just burned down. And then we're going to ask why the government doesn't come and give us more money. I'm sorry. That's my, for a little tired. Right <laughs> well, they don't have any, they don't have any money left. <laughs> but guys, that is going to be our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share, like, subscribe, share this with a liberal who needs to wake up, share this with any conservatives, let them know that we are in New York and we are ready to fight back against the leftist insanity that has ruined this state in the name of Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo. But um, Justine, if you could remind the folks where they can find you online, just in case they want to look up any of your work. Okay. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Justine Brooke Murray, all lowercase, um, J-U-S-T-I-N-E-B-R-O-O-K-E-M-U-R-R-A-Y. And on Twitter, Justine underscore Brooke. And the J and the B are capitalized. And you can also find me on Campus Reform's website. All right, Gabe, tell the people the 300 handles that you have so they can find you. Well, if you, I'm going to keep it short because I, uh, you know, we're pressed for time here. So if you just type in on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Baron Montalvo, my face will pop up. And if you are on Facebook, just type in Gabriel E. Montalvo, click the page. That is me. Like it, support what we're doing. I am currently uh, with, with uh, the Empire State Conservatives Network. I'm currently using whatever... Um, commission I might make off of my code, Gabe 10, uh, capital and the number 10. All of the 
money I would have made on commission is going to go to uh, Rob Smith, his GoFundMe to help rebuild Minneapolis cities. Uh, so if you could please, you know, support us and by support and supporting um, the Minneapolis uh, devastation that's happened due to these riots, uh, please, that'd be a great help and a huge thank you from me and all of us here. Guys, make sure you follow us on Instagram at GetRedPillNY and Twitter at Empire State Cons, on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, and on all uh, podcast platforms at Empire State Conservatives Podcast. Remember, every time you listen on an audio platform, we get a little bit of money, so that helps us. And make sure you check out our store, EmpireStateConservativeNetwork.com slash store. All that money goes back, again, into spreading conservatism to getting you the best conservative candidates, such as Dave Franklin, Liz Joy, Beth Parlato, and many, many more coming up. Jamie Silvestri, didn't want to forget her. Um, but all that stuff, all that money goes back into the business, guys. We are not making money off of this. We are trying to fix this state, which we desperately, desperately need to do, especially we've seen what happens when the government's in control, and it is just disastrous. So for that, everyone stay safe, and don't let fear take your freedom. Thank <laughs> you.